Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. For over 12 years, I wore the same watch. It was not a smart watch. There were no text notifications, no phone notifications, no heart rate, no GPS, no sleep cycle. It was a Timex Ironman watch. It told me the date and time. It had a stopwatch that I used for my morning runs. Well, last month, my 12-year-old watch did not enjoy tubing in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And specifically, it did not like the water. So for a month, I didn't have a watch. For a month, as I looked for a replacement watch, I didn't have one. It was freeing, liberating. I was loose from the shackles of the clock. The hands of time no longer weighed me down. And then I returned from my vacation. Well, just like you, I have places to be and people to meet with and responsibilities and duties that occur at particular times on particular days. And the truth is, whether you wear a watch or not, whether you pay attention to the changing days of the calendar or not, you are bound by time. All of us are. As created beings living in the created order, where the sun rises and sets, where the seasons change, where the days are marked by 24 hours, years by 365 days, 366 every four, we are bound by time. And the reality of that is seen in the simple fact of your birthday. You were born. You had a beginning. There was an hour, a day, a year that you left your mother's womb and breathed your first breath. An event of the past. One that you observe, or even if you don't, you're at least aware of the day. And you will have an end you will die. There will be an hour, a day, a year where you will breathe your final breath, an event of the future, one that will come to pass. But in between time, we live bound by time and we feel the effects of time. You feel it and see it in your own body. Over time, you change. Your body changes, your mind changes, you, you age. And within the bounds of time, you are only given the present. You're only given this moment, this breath. The last minute, the last hour yesterday is gone, never to return. The next minute, the next hour, tomorrow is not guaranteed. But if we're honest, many of us struggle with focusing our time, our thoughts, our energy, either on the past or on the future. For the past holds those moments of regret and shame, moments that we wish we could alter. The past holds sorrows and tragedies that we long to forget. 
or change. And the past holds moments of blessings and joy that, that we wish that we could relive or continue living. Now, the future, on the other hand, is unknown. I mean, you make plans, you place your hopes, you, you set your fears, your worries, your anxieties on the future. Not, not that we shouldn't look to the past, not that we shouldn't look to the future, we should. The problem is that you can be looking to the past so much or to the future so much that it overwhelms the present, that it crowds out the present where you miss it. And then the other struggle with time is the tyranny of the present where everything in the moment must be addressed in the moment, so much so that you can't plan. Look ahead. So much so that you can't reflect look to the past. We're bound by time and we, we struggle with time, but God's not. God created it. God exists outside of it. But our passage from Galatians tells us that God acted in time for you. Listen again to Paul's words in verse four from our New Testament reading. But when the fullness of time had come, the fullness of time, which means the right time, the appointed time, the fulfilled time, the time that God had planned and set before time began, the time upon which all time pivots, the time that we set the year we live by, we live in by. God sent forth his son. The eternal father sent the eternal son. Born of woman. Born under the law. Jesus was born. In other words, in the fullness of time, God entered time in Jesus. And that's the mystery of Christmas. That's the joy of Christmas. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That is the mystery of the line of the Apostles' Creed, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The one, the one who created time, the one who exists outside of time, entered time. He freely entered what he created, and he became bound by it. God entered Mary's womb through the Holy Spirit, and he took on flesh. And though Mary had known no man through an act of God, she conceived the Son of God. Mary gave birth to Emmanuel, God with us, foretold in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. Jesus. A man just like us sharing fully in our human nature, a nature that he received from his mother. Like us, Jesus was born. There was an hour, a day, a year when he left Mary's womb and he breathed his first breath. Like us, he cried. Like us, he ate, he slept, he grew, he got older, he learned to walk, to talk, he learned to read, to write, he thought, he worked. In the fullness of time, God entered time in Jesus. Why? Paul says to redeem. Jesus was born 
to redeem, which means buy back. Jesus came to buy you back, to buy back your freedom, which means whether you know it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, you're not free outside of Jesus. You're not free outside of Jesus. You're enslaved. You're in bondage. You're in chains. And in verse 3 of our Galatians reading, Paul writes what you are enslaved to. He writes the elementary principles of the world. Paul says you're in bondage to the elementary principles of the world. In other words, the basic components of the world, elementary things. Sometimes this phrase referred to basic teachings, the ABCs of life. Now, for Jews, the ABCs of life was God's law. God's law was the God-given basic teachings of life. God's law was the essential components of living life. For the law revealed how life is lived best, how God designed life to be lived. But the law served only as a guardian, a manager for God's people. They were heirs. They were children of God who were waiting for an inheritance. Now, in in Roman and Greek society, a wealthy father would often hand over his children to guardians and trust their care to managers so that even though a child of the father, even though an heir, even though a future owner of all, future master of the estate, he was treated no different than a slave. His time was not his own. His schedule was not his own. He was told when to rise, when to lie down, when to study, when to come, when to go, when to how to dress, how to act until the right time, until the proper time, until the time appointed by the father. And then the son would come into his inheritance, gain his father's estate. That is where God's people were. An heir but a slave. Now, this phrase, elementary principles of the world, also held another meaning, one that non-Jews, one that Gentiles would have understood. The elementary principles, the ABCs of the world, were broadly understood to be earth, fire, water, and air. Now, prior to our understanding of atoms and molecules, these were the basic elements that made up the world. These were the building blocks of the universe, earth, fire, water, and air. But these four were often viewed as powers, as spirits, powers and spirits who were to be worshipped. So not only does elementary principles of the world refer to the law, but it also refers to idolatry. Paul says you're either enslaved under the law or you're enslaved by idolatry. And idolatry is this, worshiping something other than the one true God. Worshiping something other than the living God. The triune God. And you don't have to worship basic elements or powers to be guilty of idolatry. Whatever is is more important to you than God, that's an idol. Whatever you give ultimate worth to in your life, that's an idol. 
Whatever you sacrifice your time and energy and thoughts to in your life, that's an idol. Whatever you have in your life that if you lost, you couldn't go on, you couldn't bear living, that's an idol. Paul says you're in bondage, enslaved to the basic principles of the world, the law, idolatry, until the right time, until the appointed time, until the time that the Father set. And Paul says that time has come, the fullness of time. Jesus has come conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary in order to redeem you. Buy you back from slavery. And the cost, the cost to buy you back was his life. His payment was his life. Jesus died. He was born and he died, just like we will die. There was an hour, there was a day, there was a year when Jesus breathed his last. And he breathed, he breathed his last on a cross. But God raised him from the dead. And through the risen Jesus' death, you are redeemed. No longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to idolatry. You're no longer a slave to the law. You're free. Jesus has removed your bonds. He's taken off your chains. As God, he's able to do it. He removes them. He takes them off and he places them on himself. He wears them. He takes your place. As a man, he can. He takes off your chains, and in turn, he gives you his freedom, the freedom of a son, the freedom of a, of a child of the heavenly father. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you're redeemed. You're a child of the father. You're adopted. You're, you're free and as an heir, you have an inheritance. As an heir, you have an estate, one that is already and not yet. Already, right now, your inheritance by faith is your salvation. It's your redemption. It's your adoption bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And your inheritance is also the spirit of the living God. He's dwelling within you. He's dwelling within you now so that when you cry out to the Father in faith, when you cry out Abba, which is Aramaic for daddy, when you cry out daddy, that cry is actually the Holy Spirit. It might be your words. It might be your voice. It might be your thoughts, but it's the spirit. You have all of this now in the present. But there's a future aspect to your inheritance and not yet to your inheritance, which is this. You have an eternal home with your father in heaven forever. Death is not the end for you. There will be a time after time. There will be a time without time, a never-ending time of joy and blessing and peace with 
your heavenly Father. In your Father's house, which is your house because you're an heir. At your Father's table, which is your table because you're an heir forever. The fullness of time has come. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. His coming has inaugurated a new age. You live in a new age, a new time where you are redeemed and where your time is redeemed. Meaning this, the sins of your past are forgiven. All of them. And the sins of your future are forgiven. All of them. Now, you can still feel the pain. You can still feel the heartache. You can still feel the regret of past failures and offenses and iniquities. But through Jesus Christ, you are free. They have no power over you. They can no longer hold you in bondage. Through Jesus, your future is redeemed. You have a promise, you have a hope, you have an inheritance, uh, not yet. There will be a time after your time ends, life after you breathe your last breath, eternal life. Worries and fears and anxieties over the future cannot hold power over you. They cannot hold you in bondage. Through Jesus, you're free. And you can lay your plans, you can lay your goals, you can lay your dreams in the hands of the one who holds your future. In the present, it's the past and the future. In the present, in this moment by faith, you walk as a child of the living God. In the present, in this moment, the spirit of the living God is within you. And every moment is holy. Every moment is holy. Live it to the glory of your Redeemer. Live it to the glory of the one who came in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary for you. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 